0: of a champion. What does it take to really truly be a champion? When you are in that position and competition shows up, be ready to fight. Be ready to fight. Be ready to fight for your life. Be ready to give it everything you got. Make sure what you are up against understand. You are there to do business. Make sure everything that you believe in stays with you. If you believe that you are a champion, then stand on it. Because that is ultimately what champions are made for. You guys aren't pumped up after that. I don't know what to do. I mean, let's dive in. Let's go. I feel like it's that moment where you say, let's get ready to rumble. It's, it's time. It is time to take a deep dive. The heart of a champion. Hey, I'm going to say this uh, multiple times today and throughout the course of this series, but the heart of a champion is the most important thing that you can be aspiring to uh, in this lifetime because God cares about your heart more than he cares about anything else. And at the end of it all, after we've taken our last breath, it's the condition of our heart that matters more than anything. And so that's why what we're talking about during these next five weeks is so incredibly important. And I just want to lean in today to this this significance of this moment, because, man, we all have moments in our life, I believe they are sacred and beautiful moments, where God speaks to us, where He draws us to take another step toward Him. And I believe that in this series, we're all going to be challenged, we're all going to be asked to take a step out of our comfort zone, to make a step of surrender, and just take Another step toward Jesus. Um, I wish as I interact with people and see people who are hurting and are struggling and, and are just in a tough spot in life, sometimes I wish that I could make choices for them. I think as parents, we all feel that way sometimes with our kids. Like, oh, I wish I could make that choice for them. But the truth is, your heart, the condition of your heart, your relationship with God is something that is only between you and God. No one else can speak into that. No one else can make that decision for you. And what I am Absolutely pleading with you today is Please don't harden your heart to the voice of God in your life If he is speaking to you in any way Today, throughout this series When you spend time with him throughout the week don't ignore that that small and still quiet voice of the holy spirit drawing you to him because that's how you become the person that god created you to be that that is how you live the life that he wants you to experience and it starts with just acknowledging god cares more than anything about the condition of your heart and that's why I want to start today with this idea of guarding your heart. We see this in Proverbs 4.23 and this is such an important principle just to to think about as we dive into this content. It says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Can we just stop and, and consider what that means to us? Guarding our heart is really significant. How does that determine the course of our life? Well, Jesus speaks to this in Matthew five. He says, you know, what you fill your heart with, that's what's going to overflow out of your mouth. Like if you say something or do something or your attitude is a certain way, that is an overflow out of what you have filled your heart with. And so when you fill your heart with what is good, It's the good that overflows out of your life, out of your heart. If you're filling yourselves with evil things or bad things, it's those things that are going to come out of your mouth, come into your life and and be made made known by your actions. And so what you do with your heart, the, the condition of your character, who you are, that matters more than anything and, and it's going to be the, the identifier that, that God looks most closely at that he's watching in, in your situation. And so we've got to be be clear on this. It's so important that we go into this mindset with guarding our hearts is so incredibly important. and. There's no better person uh, to walk through the life of for this series than the life of David in the Old Testament. David being uh, the king of Israel. We know him as being a mighty warrior. If you read through First and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, you see like these mighty achievements that David and his armies achieve. They're these great and mighty warriors. He's the king. He's also a musician. It describes him as being good looking. I mean, some guys have it all, all right? He, he's just, he's got it. And, and you look at his life and all these things that we know know him for but the number one attribute that is credited to David as his legacy in the Bible is he is known in Bible as the man after God's own heart. Think about that for a second. That's an amazing label to, to be associated with anyone. How would it be in your life to be known as, you know, when you take your last breath to, to, for people to recognize, "Hey, that was a man, that was a woman after God's own heart." Man, that speaks very highly to who you are and Again, that's the thing that matters most to God. So I want you to just consider that as we unpack the life of David over these next five weeks and apply some principles to our lives that we can learn from because at the end of the day, the condition of your heart is what matters more than anything. And I want to start this idea uh, of this series with, with the statement that the heart of a champion is pure. That's where it all begins. The heart of a champion is pure. And we've got to identify what that looks like. And we see that in the humble beginning of David and his story. This is a fantastic introduction to David. uh, and, and, And that's an interesting insight to how his journey began. All right. It says in 1 Samuel 16 Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Now, this is important, and I think it's it's good for us to know the backstory, because... Saul had been anointed the first king of Israel, and Samuel was the one who anointed him. Samuel is God's prophet. He has been the leader of Israel. He has led them into battle. He has led them as the prophet, speaking the words of God to the people. Sometimes that was a blessing, and sometimes it was a curse. So whenever Samuel came into town, you had to figure out, okay, first of all, why is Samuel here? Because if we've done, you know, something bad and we're about to be cursed, this is not going to go well for us. But if we're all right, this is a blessing. So everybody kind of, you know, they met met with Samuel with a little bit of fear and trepidation. They weren't exactly sure what they were going to get. And you keep that in mind, like, he has anointed Saul as the king of Israel. And Saul started off okay, but then he started turning away from God. He became disobedient. And there's a specific moment where Saul disobeyed God and God finally had enough. And he told Samuel, I have rejected Samuel as the king of my people. And that's where he says, I want you to go and anoint you know, one of Jesse's sons as, as being the next king. And that's why he says, you've mourned long enough for Saul. It's time to look forward to, to the future of my people and to anoint their next king. So this is a significant moment in the life of Samuel and in the history of the Israelites, God's people. So it says, Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> I love that that's their first result. What's wrong? What did we do? Do you come in peace I mean, this guy must have been scary. Can we just be honest? This must be a scary guy. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel... Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Let's stop right there for a second. We can all fall into that trap, right? Samuel is going to anoint the next king of Israel. Saul, by his description in the Bible, was was a head taller than everyone else. So he is super tall. When everyone looks at Saul, they go, he's the leader. Like he's Shaquille O'Neal and everybody else is down here, right? And, And it's like the appearance, right? Like this is the guy who's the king of Israel. It's obvious. Just look at him. And so Samuel, in his mind, he sees Elab. He comes forward, the first son of Jesse. You know, and he's standing there, and he's like, he looks like Chris Hemsworth, and he's like, whoa, picks up his hammer. I don't know. And nobody, I don't know who to compare that to. Tom Cruise? Dwayne Johnson? I don't know. 830 like Dwayne Johnson. They were all over that. So who knows? Uh, so you picture this guy, like a big stud. He's like, hey, what's up? And Samuel's like, this is the guy. And God's like, no, 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 no. Samuel you've got this all wrong you're judging by his appearance and that's where this matters the most catch what God says here because we can't miss this this is important to God he says don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them people judge by outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart he doesn't care what's on the outside he cares about your heart now, we've talked about this before in a lot of different settings. When we've talked about being generous. We, we talk about this idea. God doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. Lead with generosity. Experience the joy that comes from not being tied down or overwhelmed by greed. When you live generously, man, God rewards that. You live life to the fullest. You're living joyfully. That's great. God cares about your heart. He doesn't care about your position, your power, the prestige that you walk with. He cares about your heart. That's what he looks at. It's more important than anything else. And we have to be mindful of that, the appearance, the masks that we put on. We, we try to act like everything's okay. We project that we've got it all together when really all of us at some level are struggling with, with the hurt that we carry, the habit that we struggle with, the hang-ups that we have. When God is constantly calling us to that, that moment of surrender, He's constantly calling us to step out of our comfort zone and draw closer to Him. We're all on this journey. No one has it figured out. No one is perfect. If you don't believe that about me, just ask Dana or my boys. They will very quickly tell you all the things that keep me from being perfect. And, and the reasoning for this is I think we try to project that everything is okay because we don't like to admit that we're struggling, right? And so we are gravitating toward the people who look like they have it all figured out. And, and God's saying, hey, check yourself here for a second. It's not about the appearance It's not about the mask that you're wearing or projecting that everything's okay. God doesn't care about how you look. He cares about what's really going on in your heart. That's what matters to him. And we can't fall into the trap of the appearance because it is a pure heart that impresses God. That's what impresses God. You want to impress God, do that by having a pure heart. We tend to judge people by their appearances. I think... In my own personal experience in life, the place this happens the most is on the golf course. Now, go with me for a second on this. On the golf course, I used to golf a lot more than I do, but listen, I make no pretense here. I am a terrible golfer. Like, if you want to feel better about your golf game, invite me to go golfing with you. You will feel terrific about yourself uh, when that is done. But what I love about golf is every time I've gone golfing, I've always showed up wearing flip-flops, cargo shorts, you know, and a polo shirt. And... I don't look like a golfer. I've got a bag full of mix-and-match golf clubs. Like, let's go. Let's have some fun. Well, the thing is, I'll show up, and we'll go golfing, and there's people who dress like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods there. They got all the stuff, the name brand, the matching hat, the golf clubs, the bag, thousand-dollar clubs. Like, I'm ready to go. And then they get up there, and they're worse than I am. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they're all angry, oh, no. you look like a good golfer, but you're not. <laughs> <My> <laughs> and full disclosure, if, if I'm just being real, we're talking about David's origin story today. My golf origin story occurred at Old Orchard Golf Course. Anybody remember Old Orchard, Par 3 Beauty? Yeah. It had been raining all morning. There was a foursome of ladies uh, teeing off in front of us, and my brother-in-law and I were just warming up, taking shots. First time golfing, never been on a golf course. I'm practicing behind them, and I take this huge swing. Boom! Takes out a huge divot of mud and grass, and it flew all over the ladies in front of it. I mean, it just it splattered them with mud and, and grass. And I threw my club down, and I said, Brandon, what have you done? And he's just like... they're all looking at him. What's wrong with you? I am sorry. (laughs) That was before I was a pastor. Don't judge. (laughs) But it all comes back to the appearance, right? Man, you can look the part. Oh, you look like you have it all together. But God doesn't care about the appearance. He doesn't care about the mask that you're, you're wearing, what you're projecting. He actually cares about the real you. He cares about your heart. And guys, we can't miss that. It is a pure heart that actually impresses God. And so you've got to ask yourself, who am I trying to impress with my life? What does that look like? Because that's what he values more than anything else. So here's what happens. This is awesome. It says in verse 8, Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward. Like, oh, it's not Eliab? He's still striking the pose. He's like, oh, um, do I move forward now? He doesn't know because he was good looking. He probably wasn't bright. Let's just be honest. Okay. no. Okay, they move him over. He's like, he's grunting. Okay, but Samuel says, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Like, we've come to a, a problematic point here. Like, Jesse... God hasn't said yes to any of your sons. So then Samuel asks, <laughs> are these all the sons you have? And of course, Jesse's like, of course they're, oh, no, <laughs> I forgot. I have another son, David. He's out in the field watching the sheep. That's his real life, right? Uh, he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. So Samuel's like, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. And, you know, you read this story and you're like, what? How did he forget about his other son? What a terrible parent. <laughs> and if I can be really candid and vulnerable with you, uh, I forgot about one of my kids this week. It, it, it happened. It happened. And I only have two. I, I, I don't know how to say that. Uh, I went to a baseball game after a school to watch cheer on some kids. And uh, we were cheering, I'm having a great time, and then uh, Dana called me, we were ready to go to grab dinner somewhere and meet somewhere for dinner. And I'm talking to her, I'm saying, Carter's going to love this Sunday playing basketball. I said, you tell Jake, he's going to have a great time too. And she said, what do you mean, tell Jake? Isn't he with you? And I said, no, isn't he with you? Jake was still in his bedroom, just playing NBA 2K, having a great old time. (laughs) Had no idea. We we had completely forgotten him. Uh, And again, I only have two kids, so I I don't know. That did happen while I was a pastor. Please don't judge me. Please don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's the moment, right? Jesse's like, none of my, well, who else is it? Oh, I do. I have another son. So, so they send for David. And there's something, oh, guys, there's something beautiful about this moment. It, it speaks to the authenticity. And at the end of the day, it's the authenticity of our heart that matters most. Uh, it's not about the appearance, not the outward appearance. God cares about your heart. The pure heart is what in, in impresses God. And so it's all about the authenticity. A pure heart now is rooted in humility. Humility is a beautiful trait that God looks for in our lives. And why is that? Well, it's, it's our pride, the opposite of humility, that stands in the way of us becoming who God wants us to be. Because it's in our pride that we say, God, I really, I don't need you. I'm doing all right on my own. And so when God asks us to, you know, lay down some things in our life that have become a barrier between us and our relationship with God that are keeping us from being pure, We hesitate. We justify, we rationalize, we say, oh, these things hurt other people, they won't hurt me. And then they end up taking us way down, you know, farther down the road than we ever thought we'd want to go. And it's our pride. It's our our lack of willingness to say, God, no, you're right, I need you, and your way is better than my way. I mean, to be in that position, you have to be humble. So true authenticity, chasing after Jesus and having a pure heart, it is rooted in humility. It all starts there. But this idea of authenticity, I mean, it matters, I think, today more than ever. Because if you, if you say to the people in your community, the people that you associate with on a, on a regular basis throughout the week, if you let them know, hey, I've, I've said yes to Jesus. I follow Jesus. I go to church. I, this is who I am. I want you to know they are now watching you, all right? It's like we said last week. They're always watching. It's just real. It is what it is. And your authenticity speaks values. When they see that you are real, just know this, you are making a huge statement. It's a it's a huge commercial for Jesus. Jesus changed my life and now I am trying to become more like him. And that speaks to integrity. I think authenticity it's built with integrity. Integrity being the state of life where what you value, your values and your actions they become intertwined. I think that's the best definition I've seen of integrity. What you value, your moral code, what you believe, it actually is completely interacting with your values. They're all the same. That's what really true integrity looks like. My values and my actions are in alignment. And I think we do just as much damage to the kingdom, just as much damage to the church and to Jesus when we say we believe certain things, but then we deny Jesus by the way that we live. We do, we do equal parts help and harm by, you know, depending on the choice that we make there. And I want to challenge you today, being authentic, I, I don't think it's ever been more important than it is now to just be Real. To let people see Jesus living in you. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. Not by any stretch of the means. But it's acknowledging, hey... You know, I've got problems too. I'm working on stuff myself, but every day I'm trying to say yes to Jesus and lay down the things that are holding me back and to be obedient, to step into the comfort zone that he's called me to be. That level of transparency, that level of authenticity, that level of of being there for people when they're struggling and just being real, saying I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to figure it out with you. You can make more of a difference than you would possibly know in your community and the people you have influence over just by being real. Real. And it starts with being rooted in humility. Like, it's not about me. I don't have it all figured out. That pure heart, that authentic heart is rooted in humility. And I love what Rick Warren has to say about humility. He defines it like this. Humility is not denying your strengths, all right? You don't, you don't have to say, well, I'm not really good at anything. And that's humility. That's not really what humility is at all. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses, Think about that for a second. Humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses. And when it comes to relationship with God, God wants you to thrive in the, in the gifts and abilities and the, and the strengths that you have. Lean into those. Give them everything you've got. Make a huge difference for the kingdom. But always be real. Acknowledge the areas in your life where you do have weakness, where you do struggle. The hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups that we all carry. Being authentic is so incredibly important in these moments. It, and that's what keeps us rooted in humility. And that's, th- that's the authenticity of a heart that Jesus loves. That's how you impress God. I think it, it also hinges on consistency with your character. It's doing what is right no matter what. Even when it's not, you know, personally beneficial to you. I would say you make the biggest statement when it's not personally beneficial to you. You've got to step up and make a difference and do what's right. And when you're living authentically, you've got consistency, you're, you're being, uh, that living with integrity in your life, that's what matters more than anything else. So that's what we see in the heart of David when he was young. So it says in verse 12, so Jesse sent for him. Uh, when he arrived, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Okay, so he had a good looking family. They're all good looking. I don't know what to say. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So it says as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then it says Samuel returned to Ramah. I, I want to really focus in on the incredible, just sacred and beautiful moment that this was that David had. To recognize that Samuel in this moment is anointing him as the next king of Israel. That he's doing that in the presence of his family. His father, all of his older brothers have gathered there as witnesses to what is happening. Uh, when you look at the life of Samuel, this really ends up being like his crowning achievement. Anointing David, the king of Israel. It is a beautiful and it is a sacred moment. And it represents that moment where the presence of God, his blessing and his favor, it just it rested on David. And, and that anointing, that anointing is something that we should all be desperately chasing after in our lives. That anointing of the presence and the power of God in each of our lives. And what's incredible about the opportunities that we have as Christians in 2022 is we have the unbelievable promise that when we say yes to Jesus, when we invite him into our lives, when he forgives us, when he sets us free, we have this unbelievable promise from God that when we do that, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, His presence and His power, it, it comes into our lives. Our bodies become the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit working in our lives, it, it guides us and it convicts us. It is the voice of God Himself speaking to us. And listen to me now, this is important. When, when we don't guard our hearts... When, when we become hardened to the things of God, then no longer do we listen to that still small voice. We begin ignoring it. We begin ignoring it. We, we continue to ignore it. And then it gets quieter and quieter and more and more distant until suddenly our hearts have become so hardened we don't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to guide us and direct us anymore. And that's a terrifying place to be. We can't allow ourselves to, to stray in that direction. And I want to challenge you today, when it comes to this idea of the anointing, a pure heart receives God's blessing and favor. And we are on a journey. Make no mistake, no one has arrived, all right? No one has, you know, attained perfection in this life. That only happens on the other side. We we will be perfect in the presence of God, and what a glorious day that will be. When we don't have to battle, when we don't have to carry any hurts or habits or hang ups, when we don't have to struggle, why well, I look forward to that day of being with Jesus where everything is made new. But in the meantime, right now, you guys, I want you to know that if you're just willing to, to truly be rooted in humility, to have a heart that is tender toward the things of God, if you're willing to be honest, to be authentic, to have your values in perfect alignment with your actions, and to just be listening with a humble, still heart to the voice of God that is guiding you and directing you, I want to encourage you today that that's where it starts. That's how you live into the life that God has called you to live. That's how you become the person God created you to be. That is how you have a pure heart. You stay humble and you be honest with God and with yourself. And I don't know why we struggle so often with, with that part of it. Why do we struggle with being honest with ourselves, identifying, hey, these are the, the areas that I struggle Why do we have such a hard time being honest with God? We're kind of like Adam and Eve. When God meets them in the garden, we go run and hide in the bushes. We'd rather hide in the bushes than actually have a conversation with God and and be obedient and, and live into the life that He's called us to. I want to encourage you today, man. The thing that impresses God more than anything else is the pure heart, and that begins with the attitude of humility. God, I don't have this figured out. Your way is better than my way, and it continues by being honest. God, this is the this is the area where I struggle. God, this is the point in time where I know you're you're calling me to take a step out of my comfort zone, and I recognize this, and I'm scared, but I'll be obedient. And those are the moments that change everything. Those are the sacred and beautiful moments that we get to experience with God, just like David did with his father, with Samuel and his family. Those are the sacred and beautiful moments that help us become more like Jesus and help us to experience his blessing and his favor in our lives. And my thing is, as your pastor and as your friend, I want to do everything I can to encourage every single one of us and to challenge us all to live in such a way that we do have pure hearts, that we're constantly and consistently staying humble before God, we're being honest about where we're at, and taking steps toward Him. And I promise you, God, He's not called you to be perfect, but He's called you just to be willing to say yes, and if you can stay humble, and if you can stay honest, that's the key ingredients to having a pure heart and that's what truly impresses God I want you to be walking in his blessing and in his favor and so I just encourage you to think about this as we come to a close today the heart of a champion is pure and I want to challenge you today do everything you can at all costs to guard your heart please don't allow yourself to become hardened to the things of God Man, when that still small voice speaks, when when the Holy Spirit tries to guide you and and convicts you and challenges you to take a step toward him, don't ignore that voice. Lean into that because that's where life is lived to the fullest and that's the way that you're gonna live that truly impresses God because that is how you build the foundation to having a pure heart. And so I just ask you today, who are you trying to impress? What does that look like? Um, These are the moments as a pastor where sometimes I feel like, I wish I could make a decision for you, right, or, or do something for you. I think as parents, we've probably all experienced that with our kids, like, ah, oh, I wish they didn't have to go through that. I'd love to help them out. But you have to make your own choice. And only you knows where, you know, you are at in your relationship with God. Only you knows the true condition of your heart. And I just ask you today to make sure that you can take advantage of this moment, this sacred and beautiful moment, and make sure that you're doing everything you can to have a, a heart that is pure, a heart that pleases and impresses God. That'd be my prayer, that today we all leave knowing without a shadow of a doubt that my relationship with Jesus is up to date. There's no barrier in my life that keeps me from experiencing his presence in my life and that, that realization and that admission that God, if you're speaking into my life, I'm going to respond to that voice with humility. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to take steps that you're asking me to take, Jesus. When you ask me a question, when you ask me to step out, the answer is going to be yes. Man, if that's where all of us are when we leave today, look out. That changes everything. That, that's what plants the seed for revival. And that's what impresses God. So I ask you today, who are you trying to impress? Would you stand with me as we come to a close today? Wherever you're at, we have people join us from all over today. We're in St. Pete and Mishawaka and Nashville. This is one of those moments where together, man, I would love for us in this moment to just stand together with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and to take this moment, to take this opportunity to just be honest and humble before God. Would you just take this moment in the quiet? Just listen to his voice. And only you know what God is speaking to you. These are not my words. These are not anybody else's words. These are the voice. These are the words of God speaking to you now. What is it that he's asking you to lay down at his feet? What hurt? What habit? What hang up have you been carrying and holding on to that he's asking you to let go of? Ask him to forgive you. Repent. Turn away from it. And embrace Jesus. Embrace the life he's called you to. What is it that he's asking you to do to to take a step out of your comfort zone? What's that thing that he's calling you to do to take a step of obedience toward him? Don't, Don't resist. Be humble. Be honest. Come to him with a pure heart. That is what impresses Jesus. And finally, if you're here today and you're realizing, man, I need to begin this journey with Jesus. I want to experience this hope of what it means to be set free. Then I want to invite you to join us in praying this prayer as we close. Say yes to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to set you free because you can experience life. He is what gives you the power to live victoriously. He can give you this pure heart. And so I ask all of you, would you just open your eyes and can we pray this prayer together? And if you're praying this for the first time, would you join this and pray this with sincerity? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give Jesus the praise and the glory because he is worthy. There is no one like him. We're going to sing one more song before we're dismissed today. And I I want to just pray one more time with you, just a prayer of blessing over you today, because I believe that if that's the cry of our heart, God, I want my heart to be pure. I want to stay humble. I want to stay honest. I want to build that foundation that impresses you. Man, I believe we can walk in that anointing and then the blessing and the favor and the presence of Jesus. And I want to pray that over you today as we prepare to worship one last time and then we leave. So let me pray over you. God, I just thank you today that we are able to gather and to draw close to you and experience your presence today. God, I just ask that as we leave, committing to walk in humility, to be honest, God, to to make it the desire of our heart to stay pure and to listen to your voice. God, I, I just pray that as we leave with that mindset, that you would bless us and that you would keep us. I pray, God, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would turn your face toward each and every person here today and just fill them with your peace. God, we love you and we praise you. And we pray this in your holy and mighty name today. And together we say, amen.